0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Struciewski podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be a more productive version of yourself, and one of the ways I do that is by giving you my top five productivity tips absolutely free. All you need to do to get them is go to my website, MrProductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com to get my top five productivity tips absolutely for free. On the show today, it's a guest who is going to share the story about how they overcame some very brutal bullying And he's going to give you suggestions on how you can overcome it if you are being bullied or if you know somebody who has been bullied because bullying is a real thing in our world today. His name is Mark Simon. We're going to talk a little bit about our mutual love for The Walking Dead. He actually works for The Walking Dead. And then we're going to get into the topic of the episode. So sit back, relax, and you're going to learn a lot. Mark, welcome back to the
1: show. Mark great to see you as always
0: <laughs> now why are you saying my name oh that's right we're both marks uh mark <laughs> simon and mark struck a whiskey so um awesome to have you on the show now i don't remember when you were on you were on a long long time ago but you and i have a, a mutual interest of the walking dead i love the show i'm addicted to it you actually work for it so We were talking before we started recording, you know, we haven't seen the season finale from this last season, and I'm like, what's going to happen? And you and I had a conversation once, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but apparently you have this really big DNA you have to sign, (laughs) so they don't even know, most characters don't know until, like, like before they start start filming the episode, what's going to happen, right?
1: Well, until they get the script. Um, uh, I don't know what happens uh, from episode to episode until I'm actually working on it. So for instance, the last two episodes of the season, the last one, which hasn't even aired yet, I have no idea what happens because wow. I'm also a fan. I have been since episode <laughs> one. I was a fan of the comic books. And so then a couple seasons ago when I started working on it, it was a dream come true. I mean, it's just, it is an absolute blast. So I'm like you on the edge of my seat. I can't wait to see the last episode because I don't know how it ends and I work on it.
0: (laughs) What's amazing is at the uh, episode 17, they showed previews. And I think a lot of people are confused. I'm like, How could you show previews if it's not ready to air? And apparently the post-production to The Walking Dead is like any other post-production. It takes a lot of people and there's a lot of work to be done. I guess they want to get it done. They were going to have it released in June, but apparently they can't do it yet. Now they're looking to July. And uh Yeah. I hope it comes out soon because we already know that the next season's uh, who knows when the next season's going to start filming, let alone be released, but you know, we're so close and you know, did you hear what the, what the blacklist did at their last episode? No, they were halfway through filming and then they had to disperse because of COVID. Oh, the animated one. They did part animated because they were halfway through the episode. That was bizarre, but I also think at the same time, it was very ingenious because they just said, they could have said, well too bad we're not gonna release it but they said how can we release this episode so i thought it was pretty it was weird but it was pretty ingenious
1: well the nice thing that since we have such a long gap between seasons of the walking dead because the main series is still by far the most popular of the different walking dead series that when we finally do get a chance as fans to watch the last episode it's kind of a bridge between uh, between them so it's we haven't I've not heard word one on season 11 yet. And normally we start at the end of April. Wow. So, uh, so I mean, we've just been on total lockdown in fact, all live products. I've also been working on stranger things and we got shut down right in the middle of one of our episodes uh, because <sighs> of this and no sign of when we're going to start back up again.
0: And this was supposed to be the year the AMC was going to run The Walking Dead. And then when that ended, they're going to have the new episode of Fear the Walking Dead. When that yeah. ended, they were going to do that new series with the kids. And then when that ended, they're going to have the new season 11 of Walking Dead. And then COVID-19 happened and it kind of upended the whole cart.
1: Yeah, it's it's been rough for the whole industry, yes. um, but the walking a lot of shows you when they they're going to be able to come back relatively easy because they can limit how many characters they have. The Walking Dead doesn't work without a horde. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm on the set relatively often out there. You know, I'm obviously mostly in pre-production, but I go out to the set all the time for the big shots that I that I storyboard. And we have so many cast members. And we've got the horde and we've got between five and 700 people a day working on it. Wow. It's a gigantic production. I don't know how to do a show like this with some of the limitations that we're being placed under. And I agree with the limitations because I don't want to die. Yeah. uh, But I I don't know how it's going to work.
0: Wow. We are definitely in unique times. This is uh July first and you know this started uh I heard I read yes either this morning or yesterday morning, this is like six months since the first case was developed, that was discovered in in China apparently. Now they say there's another uh, pandemic potential in China that they found in pigs that can really easily go over to humans. I'm like, oh, great. So we have COVID, this new thing that may happen. Now we have the yearly flu. Oh, great. So maybe The Walking Dead is going to be real. So this is really exciting. <laughs> you won't need to have a film. You just get live cameras. I mean, this is it's really scary. But I I, I really I'm reading the, the great influenza John Barry's book for, about the mm. Spanish flu of 1918. By the way, a little something people don't realize. Do you know why it was named the Spanish flu?
1: I'm assuming it's not as simple as that it was discovered in Spain.
0: Correct. What happened was it was actually discovered in Haskell, Kansas, in the United States. But back then, it was pre-World War One was just starting. And a lot of countries had a censorship on the news, not Spain. Spain's the first one that reported it. So everybody mm. calls it the Spanish flu, but it actually started in Haskell, Kansas. And I'm like, when I read that in the book, mm. I'm like... Wow, yeah, it was fascinating. So, the the thing is, is they could never come up with a cure for the Spanish flu, and it actually burned out. And my theory, and I'm not a doctor, scientist, uh, any kind of expert on that, but I think this COVID is going to burn out. People are going to get sick and die, sick and recovered, and eventually it gets to the point where it'll lose steam. That's my opinion. It's not. I fact hope so, but
1: they're but they're finding that people who've had it are getting it again. Yeah. So getting to that, uh, that herd immunity right now, from what I've heard and what I've read, they don't see how that can happen at the moment. So, mm-hmm. but, but the virus is changing. Yeah. So it's not as deadly now as it was, Yes, but it's becoming more virulent. Yes. More people are like younger people are getting it and reacting harder to it. So it's, it, there's, it's, it's shifting and morphing. And of course, you know, the summer heat, obviously did not kill the virus. We're yep. spiking worse than we've ever had it again.
0: Yep. I think that people are, some people are going to get it no matter what precautions you take. Mm-hmm. Some people are not going to get it. My wife was really sick for like a month in November and we didn't think it was COVID to begin with. We didn't We didn't even think COVID was in America, but now they think COVID came in America in September. Maybe she had COVID and I was exposed to it, and never got it. We don't know. See, the thing is, right. we don't know. And I they still don't know why uh, they're theorizing why the Spanish flu went away in 1918. They don't know to this day, all these years later, over a hundred years later, they don't know. And I think this is going to happen. With COVID it's just going to go away and people are going to go, oh, that was weird. It just went away. It just literally, it just stopped. The Spanish flu of 1918 just stopped. And I think COVID is going to have the same way. And people are going to like to be studying it for years and going, what happened? And we're never going to know. But uh, you just have to be safe. Um, you know, people are, you know, I'm I'm an anti-masker. Of course, I work from home, so I'm not going to wear a mask at home. When I go out in public, my church, uh, you know, makes, uh, they recommend wearing masks, but you don't have to. I think it takes common sense, Mark. I think don't go with sick. If you're sick, don't go out. If you see someone sick, don't hang around them. It's common sense. Don't smoke 20 packs of cigarettes a day. You know, don't be 400 pounds overweight. You know, this common sense for any other illness. That's what I've learned from the experts. When I say experts... I don't mean NBC, CBS, ABC, MSNBC. I mean the actual scientists and please Mm -hmm. get your evidence and your information from scientists. Don't get them from talking heads on TV.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I wear a mask when it makes sense. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to be out in the public, I wear it for two reasons. One, a lot of people aren't wearing them who are sick, Mm -hmm. obviously, because it's spreading like crazy. I don't want to get it. Yep. And two, I might have it as a carrier because you don't know for five days. Yep. And So if, if I'm around other people, I wear my mask. I don't otherwise. So when I'm out, like I go play Frisbee golf, of course, I don't wear it when I'm there because it's generally my wife or my kids I'm with. Mm-hmm. And you're I'm distanced from everybody else. Yeah. But if I'm walking in the store, oh, you better believe I'm wearing my mask. Yeah. Especially when I went to go see my sick dad. Oh, you yeah. know, I, I took a test before I went because I wanted to make sure I wasn't a carrier. Um, and, uh, we uh, were meticulous with cleaning our hands constantly and, you know, and we drove, we didn't fly cause I didn't want any chance of picking up anything and, yeah. and exposing my elderly father to it. Wow.
0: Well, my wife and I are hoping to go back to my hometown of Rochester to York in August to see my elderly aunt. We haven't seen her since 2012. And, you know, we're like, okay, we haven't made the the reservations yet. Cause we're like, you know, is this thing going to spike? Are we going to have a lull? Cause I think it's going to pick up like the Spanish flu did. It kind of lulled in the summertime and it really kicked up in the fall and nobody knows. Everyone's learning this every day. So, um, I would, like I said, lean on the experts not the talking head news people. Lean on the experts. Go to the CDC. Go to the WHO. Go to mm-hmm. John Hopkins. Go to a reputable source to get your information. Not like some liberal or right-wing newspaper. Go to the source. And that's what I I believe. But that's we're not going to talk about The Walking Dead anymore or COVID-19. <laughs> we're going to talk about a s- t- subject that's really not funny. So I I like to, when I have serious topics, I don't like to go right into them because it's like a, a you know, to a shock to people's system. We're going to talk about Bullying, And a lot of people, when they hear bullying, they think of, you know, at school, on the playground. Um, but you actually overcame bullying. You were kind, kind enough to send me uh, a copy of your book. Thank you for that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't started reading yet because as we'll share with the listener, um, the post office sent me an em- empty envelope. Somebody got your book. <laughs> yeah. I hope they enjoy it. Uh, so you sent me another copy. I really appreciate that. It's called Awaken. Is it called Awaken? I haven't read it. Attack. Right
1: Attack. Uh, called Attack. Yeah.
0: So tell us a little bit about your backstory and, uh, you know, how you overcame bullying.
1: Well, it was, yeah, it became a lot more than just what people think about as as standard bullying. So it, I was, when I was in high school, I was really short. It's not that I'm tall now, but I was like five, four, five, five, 5'5, uh, skinny kid. Um, I was solid muscle but no one could tell that and the reason because my dad and this all is relevant my dad owned a custom construction company so I spent most of my life hauling lumber and building things uh and r- I started when I was very young I started running his crews. so I was used to telling these large muscle-bound workers what to do every day mm-hmm. so I was not a kid who was easily intimidated at all so these punks in high school would try to mess with me because I was short. And uh, this one gang in particular was just horrible to people. I mean, uh, there were, and and I ended up talking to a number of these families. There's this one kid that caught them spray painting the school on the back of the school Mm -hmm. and they chased him down and broke his femur. Oh, Oh. Uh, other people who've read the book have reached out to me and told me that they had been beaten up and attacked by these guys. They they used to brag about throwing cinder blocks off of overpasses at cars down below. Oh, wow. These are not nice people. So they, they would try to, uh, hassle me and and tease me. And I just wouldn't put up with it because again, they were kids like me. I was 16 at the time. They were all 16 and 17, um, because they were small compared to what I was used to dealing with. And then in basketball, they come up and they would shoulder check me, uh, in particular, this one guy, Perry. And I would he would bounce off of me because of my years of construction. And he would look bad. And would try harder and bring his friends in after ah. me. Right. So that would build up. So one night when this whole thing started or the week before the, the big attack, uh, we were out at a place called the back of BAML. It was a weekly hangout. It was a, an undeveloped subdivision that had was surrounded by trees. So a bunch of us would go back there every weekend, we'd have a big bonfire and everyone would drink and hook up and, and party. Mm -hmm. And I was back there talking to some friends. Perry goes running by angry with a bunch of his cohorts screaming about something. And I said, no one cares, Perry. He came around, got in my face and he's, what'd you say? I said, no one cares. And I turned my back. He spun me around and punched me in the face. And I just stood there. Didn't knock me back. I just stood there. And I said, Perry, you're still not worth it. His eyes went really wide. And he started coming after me again. And all of his friends drug him away, which is what their friends did. uh, The ringleaders would get in trouble. The buddies would protect them. Well, that night, it ended right there. A week later, I'm back at the same party. I'm sitting in my car. It was an old 1963 T-Bird that I had rebuilt. It had electric windows, uh, which was hugely helpful in this instance. <laughs> I was sitting with a buddy of mine in my car. We're talking to a couple of girls. And I hear from the background, hey, there's Simon. Let's rumble. And all of a sudden, my car is converged on by, by the time this ended, about 30 kids. It's like a horse in The Walking Dead. Yeah, it's, you know what it felt like? Um, Because they came after me with bats from their trucks. It was Texas. It was Houston, you know, where you are. Um, And uh, it was bats, chains, tire irons. They pulled burning boards out of the the bonfire. I felt like I was a Frankenstein monster and the villagers were coming after me. And it sounds kind of funny to say it that way, except that's exactly the way it looked. And it was happening to me. So Perry was punching me through my driver's side window. Everyone I was talking to split. There are people on top of my car, bashing the windows, bashing the top of the car, hitting my buddy through his window, hitting me through my window. So I grabbed Perry's arm. I said, roll up the window to my buddy. And we leaned over and, and the windows for electric windows were on the console in the center, which was really nice. So we rolled up the windows. But I held on to Perry's arm and I rolled up the window on his arm. I put my car in gear and I took off and I drug him down the road Mm. through this mass of kids, most of whom had no idea what was going on. They just thought I was some crazy loon driving through them, not realizing I'm literally running from my life, from my life. There's cars parked on both sides, kids drunk, roaming around. I'm flying through them. They're all diving out of the way, except for one kid, David, who jumped in front of my car. He was a, he was part of the gang. He jumped in front of the car to try to make me stop. So I ran over. him. Mm -hmm. I remember watching his face, you know, as he bounced over the hood of my car, his face plastered against my windshield, hit Perry and knocked them both free. But I missed the exit out of this place. There was only one exit in place, a way to go in and out. I spun my car around in the street and they blocked off the exit with other cars and they all came after me, all 30 of them. However, it's something like that. My buddy starts screaming. I said, hold on. I turned the car. I drove up over the curb. And as you know from Houston, especially I don't know how long you've lived there, but this was 40 years ago. This year, we celebrate 40 years since this attack. Mm. There were uh, ditches on either side of every road for runoff of the torrential rains that we get there in Houston. Yes. And um, the only way for me to get the road is over or through the ditch. And luckily they had recently dug it out so the dirt was mounded up. I hit that with my 63 and it launched my car up and I jumped over the ditch. Wow. Landed in the middle of what was then called Steuben Airline. Now it's called now I don't remember what the name is because I haven't lived there in 30 years. Uh it used to be Steuben Airline. And we drove away. We went over to the local McDonald's where the uh the constable always hung out. Uh Officer Ogden started telling what was going on. He goes, "Some of the other kids have already been here. You just need to go home. You just get away. They're looking for you. Hopefully things will calm down. So I get home. I drop my buddy off. I get home. I go in the side entrance we had we lived on a corner, and i we always use the side entrance, and I was just about to start telling my parents what had happened, and we hear all this noise out front. They still have no idea. Mom goes out the side to look around the front. My mom was a petite woman. She's five, three. She was maybe 97 pounds and she goes out first. Dad uh, was half asleep, just starting to wake up. He was just wearing his robe and didn't have his eyes in. So he threw on his glasses. Mom sees the kids, some of the kids in the front yard, doesn't know who they are. I go back, said, dad, they're here. He goes, who's here? I said, the guys, the guys, the guys. So he comes out barefoot in his robe and glasses. Four of the guys had followed me to my house. They were in a pickup. They were hassling my mom. They said, oh, here comes the old man. Let's split. They ran to the truck and started trying to take off. Dad saw that they were uh, had surrounded mom, took off after him, grabbed one of the guys out of the back of the truck with one arm, sat him down. It was uh, Steve. There are two ringleaders, Steve, uh, Steve and Perry. He grabbed Steve put him down, and was trying to figure out what was going on. Again, he had no idea. The other guys get out of the truck. Two of them go and start slapping my mom around, throwing her up against a tree. The other guy comes and starts uh, hitting me. Steve is in the street screaming and cursing, cursing like you wouldn't believe. They were all stoned and high on something. It it wasn't pot because pot calms you down. There was some serious stuff that they were on. And just screaming at my dad, spitting in his face, hitting him, spitting on him, kicking him. And dad wouldn't let go. And, and, you know, prior to working construction, my dad was a farm boy. He's a burly dude. Wanted to kill him. But again, didn't know what was going on. And he was in the street, public property, didn't know what he could get away with. So this is going on until the neighbors start coming out. One neighbor, this big guy, Kyle, was visiting a girl across the street, comes out swinging a big pipe. Mm. confrontation between the guys and him. They finally leave as he comes forward. The cops show up like five minutes later. So that was the beginning of, of absolute hell for me for a number of months. So we start getting calls that there's threats of them firebombing the house. They're leaving notes on my car that they're going to kill me. They're leaving notes on my mom's car and on our front door that they're going to send me home in uh, bloody pieces in a bag. They're leaving notes for my dad that they're going to kill my mother. Um, they, uh, they followed us around. They tried to run me off the road. They broke into houses. When I was at friend's house, they would break in and attack me. So we, uh, Officer Ogden came over very quickly uh, at the beginning of this, told us about a new law that had never been used before, holding parents responsible for the actions of their kids. And we said, yes, that sounds good. What do we have to do? The reason we like that is because there's not much you can do against minors. They can go to juvie, but these guys, a lot of them, some of them have been in and out of juvie already. Mm -hmm. We need to deal with this and get it done. We are afraid for our lives. So Officer Ogden set up for us to meet within a week of all of the starting with the local judge, uh, Judge McElroy. That was in Harris County and uh, judge sat us down, told us about the law, what we had to do. He said, look, it's a a multi-step process. First we have to do is bring in all the families of the, of the four that attacked you at your house. And we have to warn the parents so that they can't use the excuse. I didn't know little Johnny was doing this. So they have to be warned in court and give them an opportunity to stop their kids from attacking you because being the minors, they are legally responsible for their kids. He said, but once we warn them, if you call us again, those parents are being arrested. You have to make sure that whatever they did is enough that we can convict them. You can't just, they can't look at you crossways. They can't yell names at you. That's not enough. If we do this, you have to make it stick. So that was a lot of pressure. So in the meantime, the school was great. They were helping me a lot. Um, they uh, The the kids tried attacking me after school in the parking lot. They slashed my tire. So the school let me park with the teachers and no one knew. Um, we had a lot of cars. So I just started driving a different car and parked with the teacher. So I would sneak in and out of school every day. And uh, the principal offered to send me to another school. He said, look, because I was in all the honors classes. I was at the top of the class. Um, and he said, look, I hate to lose you, but any school will want you to go there. I said, I don't want to do that. They would win. Why should I uproot my life? Yeah. They're the, you know what, who are messing with me. They should have to leave. Yeah. So, but in the meantime, I'm having to live in total terror all the time, but I was, I refuse to let them win at any step of, of the way. So they attacked me again a number of times. But anyway, the, the last attack, I was on a date and eight of them came after me. Wow! Uh, I actually lost my mind on that one. I had a, a full nervous breakdown. I drove all around Houston, didn't know where I was. Uh, I finally pull over at a friend's place and I called my parents and that's it. They did it again. Make the call. Uh, they did. The parents were arrested the next morning. First thing, uh, the uh, officer Ogden called to let us know what had happened. And it wasn't pretty on a couple of them. It was two families that we that we brought the uh, that we brought the case against. Four that we had warned originally. Of the four, two took care of it immediately. They took oh, care of the kids? kids. I never heard from them again. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, but uh, two they only had mothers. The mothers were incredibly rude and disrespectful in court. Mm-hmm. Called me names. The mothers called me names in court. No, I can't say. In court, in front of the judge, saying, your boy is a yada yada. He should stick up for himself. Let the kids work it out. Like, you know, your son's threatening to kill me, right? (laughs) Wow. In front of the judge. Now, we had a a separate meeting with the judge, and you'll find this interesting. And and just to let you know, the judge, I had been told he died a few years ago when I started doing more research on, on this book. Evidently not. Because he just read my book and reached out to me two days ago via email. Really? And had read it. Wow. And said it was absolutely riveting and took him back to those days. Wow. I was floored that he reached back out to me. He's like 88, 89 years old now.
0: No kidding. So anyway,
1: so we sat with him and, he, and we talked about what we could do to protect ourselves. And my dad's like, look, I want to protect my family. But I was in the yard in, or in the street in front of my house. I didn't know what I could do. I wanted to kill the kid. And the judge said, you can protect your family no matter where you are. You don't have to be on your own land. If you're protecting your family, you do what you need to. Hmm. If you feel weird about having a dead body in the street in front of your house, drag him into your yard before you call us. This is what the judge told us. Hmm. Wow. And now he also knew these kids. It's not the first time they had been in his court. Okay. So we're looking at each other going, this is amazing, but also frightening at the same time. And it wasn't until 20 years later that my dad admitted to me that he told me he had actually tracked the ringleaders. He knew where they were at all times. And he had actually built devices like spiked uh brass knuckles all sorts of stuff and he knew where he was going to dispose of the bodies if the court didn't give us justice he was going to protect us and and deal with it on his own and just a cold chill ran down my spine when he told me this but i'm a father of two boys now i completely understand if someone was trying to kill my boys there's almost nothing i would do to protect them wow and he was ready to the court in the school, worked with us. They were fantastic. We never had to do any of that, um, but to even think of it was horrible. Uh, I so got a, when I we got get a
0: quick question, I got a quick yeah, question for yeah. you. Through all this time, I mean, because it sounds like they just didn't like you. I mean, was there? Do you know? Did
1: you ever find out why? I made them look bad.
0: Oh, that because was because they
1: could. not Yeah, because they couldn't intimidate me, and it. <sighs> wow. They kept having to ramp it up because nothing worked and then i ran over a couple of them so that made it even bigger so there this was a case of there's there's no way to beat them
0: they were they were not going to let go of this
1: no you can't beat them and they go away they either beat you and your easy pickings they come back or you beat them and they come back in bigger numbers there's no way to beat these guys wow and look and i had seen what they would i had seen them people do a pulp in, in the, in the gym locker room Jeez. after school at these parties, this is nothing new. Wow. So I knew how bad they were. I was just not going to back down. And, and luckily because of my upbringing, you know, I had the wherewithal and the attitude not to back down, but it still gave me a nervous breakdown, you know, from having to deal with it. So when we finally get to court, the, uh, we bring up one charge at a time. We had four outstanding charges on each of the two main families brought one, one case up first, one charge up first, a mother who was actually dating evidently her attorney. She wasn't dating him. She was sure flirting with him. The, uh, the attorney, her attorney evidently didn't know the whole story. So at one point he asked, uh, he, uh, I'm trying to think what it was. So we bring up the, uh, it's a great thing about writing the book. Once I wrote it, I I could forget everything because it was <laughs> out of my mind, which it helped me get through it all. Um, we The principal came because we had asked him to. So he was in court. He He went up on the stand and couldn't say anything about the kids because of child protection laws, except mm-hmm. her attorney broke the confidentiality by asking something about well, you know, if these kids are so bad, why aren't you doing anything about it? He goes, oh, well, I am. It just takes time to go through the system to get a kid out of your school. That pierced the child protection laws. So Uh. now he was able to continue talking about. So it came out in court that they had broken into school and burned their own records and all these other things that were going on. Yeah. So. So all of a sudden, this is not looking good. He didn't, the, the, the attorney looked at, at, at the woman, the, the mother, like what, you know, as if to say, why didn't you tell me? She just shrugged. So she gets up on the stand and this was like right out of a courtroom drama. He asked her a few things. Like, did you say, did you tell your son it was okay to attack, uh, to attack the Simons? No, of course I didn't. Do you feel it's okay that people are treated like this. No, of course I don't. So, you know, he's trying to set up that she did not uh, allow it. So then he said, are you proud of your son? Are you proud of Steve? And she just looked at him and it was like asking a question. Have you stopped beating your wife yet? If she said, yes, I'm proud. That means she supports what he's been doing to us. If she says, no, I'm not proud. means that she doesn't have control over him. Mm. (laughs) There's no way to answer that and not be guilty. Wow! And she just sat there and started crying. She couldn't answer. And I looked at dad. I said, we just won this court case, didn't we? Literally on that question. <laughs> and we did. And then they pled either guilty or no contest on on everything else. Um, we kept a couple outstanding charges because we wanted something else h- held over their heads. I never saw the guys in, um, in school again. Uh, for, literally from that day, I never saw them again. Never heard from them. Do you know where they are? Um, they they were they were thrown out of the district. They I were mean, not right allowed. As
0: to. today, 2020, July 1st, 2020, do you know
1: where they are? Are they in jail? Are they free? Do you even know? I, I don't know. I really haven't heard anything about uh, the guy Perry. Uh, the guy Steve, uh, looking up, he had uh, one DWI a number of years ago, um, or DUI, I guess, um, depending on what state, different letters. And he had, uh, it did, Three different sources have come to me and told me that he joined the Border Patrol in Texas. So I looked it up, and if that's him, he had been uh, put up on charges three times for excessive use of force. Wow. So uh, so that that tells you a lot. Yeah. Now, wow. in the meantime, I would lost every friend but one. Uh, Jim stuck by me. Uh, literally, I would walk down. the Was that uh, the guy in the car originally? Up. No, no. This is oh. another guy oh, okay. who... Who we had dated friends. Okay. So no one else would talk to me or answer the phone. So I just called him one night and said, dude, I just need to talk to someone. He's still my best friend to wow. this day. Um, but I would, this was the largest high school in Texas. It was Klein Forest High School in 1980. 4,000 kids. I would walk down those crowded hallways and people would spread out around me. Like I had the Black Plague. Wow. No one would look at me because everyone was afraid of retribution or the guys going after them.
0: Oh, because they um, associated with you. They thought that the people would come after them.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, people wouldn't come to court for me who had also been attacked. I had the parents of other kids who had been attacked slam the door in my face when I went to them to ask them to, wow. uh, to come to court on my behalf. Because it would help them as well. And no one would. So, what is your message
0: to the person listening to this conversation right now? Maybe they're being bullied, or maybe their child's being bullied. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you tell them? Because they may be at a point where, like these other parents who didn't want to get involved, you stood up. And so, what would you tell those people who are terrified like you were?
1: Well, first, never make an assumption that someone won't help you. Ask for help. Tell your parents. Hopefully your parents will stick up for you and help you and support you like mine did me. That does not always work. I understand that, but let's at least go through, give people the opportunity to be fantastic. More often than not, people will rise to the challenge. Tell the administrators at your school. Some schools won't do anything. I have heard horror stories. People are coming out of the woodwork, coming and talking to me about things that have happened to their kids because of, What they've gotten out of having read my story. The administrators were fantastic at my school. They talked to the teachers. They helped me in so many different ways. They were great. Give them the opportunity. If they don't support you, go above them. Go to the school supervisors. At some point, you will get help. Talk to local constables. Talk to local judges. Find someone. Open your mouth and talk to people. That's the Biggest thing you can do. Every state has different rules and laws. So there's no one single law like the one that I used in Texas to hold parents responsible. But uh, uh, district attorney's offices can help you with what they call the law and how to approach it wherever it is that you live. Um, So, you know, I don't believe in turning the other cheek but I don't believe in necessarily fisticuffs. And this is coming from a guy. I'm a two-time national champion in Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. I can fight, but I don't like to, I don't want to. That's not in my being, but I can protect myself. And I just, I knew that even if they beat me in a fight, doesn't mean they were right. Just meant they were better fighters. Yeah. But in a court of law, there is right and wrong. And I knew they couldn't fight me my way. They wouldn't win. And they didn't. And I became the first person in the country to hold parents responsible for the actions of their kids. I helped set the precedent.
0: Wow. Well, I am so thrilled that other people have read your book and are reaching out to you because bullying makes my heart – it makes my heart hurt so much because – and I, I, you know, I can, yeah, I can understand because the bully probably came from a bad household. Like you said, that one, mm-hmm. one guy didn't have a fan, didn't have a father. Well, he had a father, wasn't around. The mom didn't really care. And so... I think the kids have to take responsibility, but if they came from a good home, I, there's probably less bullying. I imagine. I don't have the statistics. Maybe you do. If you come from a good home with a good mom and a good dad and you're growing up in a good family home, you're probably less likely to be a bully. I'm not saying that there are no bullies from good families, mm-hmm. but I, I think parents, you know, I was born in 1965 and, you know, I was brought up that you respect your parents and if you did something wrong at someone else's house, the other parents could discipline you. Nowadays, you can't do that. You can't can't raise your voice to your kids. And I think that's part of the problem. But I I think it comes down to respect. I think we have to we're all human beings and no one's better than anyone else. And when I see people bullying, you know, the, it could be something small, a kid being pushed down to the playground or you're bullied on the job. That happens a lot. You know, we went through this Me Too movement a couple of years ago, you know, where people were being, women were being sexually assaulted in order to get promotions. That's all wrong. There's no way anyone could ever justify bullying to me. It's just not right. You there's, And I'm sure you feel the same way. There's never a good reason to bully anyone ever.
1: Yeah. And and we need to stick up for other people. Yes. If you see someone being bullied, you have to do something, even if it's just telling someone. Yes. Because bad things happen when good people are silent. Yes. All you, you do, know, is and that's the just a way the, to live your life.
0: The Holocaust. I mean, how many trains of Jews were being driven by German homes, and they would just sing louder. I mean, you have to say something. And and I read someplace, I don't remember where it was, but just if you see something going wrong, just by you saying, "Hey." Just by you saying that now, oh, now there's someone else watching me. That may be enough. But a lot of people, they put their heads down, they hurry into another store, or get in their car, and they let the thing go on. But what if you would have just said, hey, stop that, or I'm going to call the police just enough to get them to stop for a second. But so many people are scared of being shot or maybe like happened to you being attacked. But the thing is, if, if you don't say something, what if no one else does and that person's killed and then you find out about it, how's it going to make you feel?
1: Yeah, look, so many things can can keep growing and get out of control. Um, And sometimes it's very simple to stop it at the beginning. Yeah, Uh, but you don't want to be supporting by inaction, bad things happening. There's just there's just no excuse for it. Uh, And if you're afraid for yourself, don't put yourself in danger. Yeah. But there's always ways to go and tell someone afterwards or whatever it is that you need to do. But do something, you know, there's nothing worse like in my position when no one who none of the other families would come and support me. But here's here's what I did afterwards. After I won the court trial, I went to there were four families I knew who had also their kids had been attacked. I went back to every one of them and I handed them the law. I showed them what to do and I stepped them through what they could do to then file charges themselves and told them, look, I just won. I set the precedent. Here's what you can do. And I went and I helped them, even though they didn't help me. I wanted them to get what they needed. And then there were local businesses. I went to seven businesses where these guys had attacked patrons and, and destroyed things. And I helped them on what they needed to do as well. Did
0: these other cases win?
1: I don't know. I look, I was 16. I was just trying to get my life back together. I didn't follow up after that. So I have no idea. There's no social networking back then. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That's Um, right. Yeah. 40 years
0: ago. Absolutely. You
1: know, It's funny. I I think back now and thought, yeah, I really have no idea what happened, but I did what I thought was necessary. I did get deputized for my work on helping to stop the gang and uh, talking to everybody else. Um, the local constables did that for me. Um, but, uh, all of that ended up leading to what I do cuz i during that i failed one of my advanced math classes mm. so um, and and i was i was a mathlete <laughs> i competed in math but i couldn't concentrate i was so out of it that gave me an extra class and that extra class i ended up in in theater which i had never even seen a play and i ended up oh, wow. being the backstage manager on my first production <laughs> and found my love for all that and that led me directly to working in hollywood so wow you know, As bad as it was, you know, it led me to a career that I love every day.
0: Well, I really appreciate your story. Where can we find your book?
1: It's on Amazon. You just look up Attacked on Amazon. Uh, My website, you can read the first chapter and see a bunch of videos, behind-the-scenes videos, at MarkSimonBooks.com.
0: Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story. And folks, listen, share this episode with someone who is being bullied or you think maybe being bullied because you don't have to take it okay you don't have to be a punching bag you don't have to be a a doormat stand up i mean mark stood up he said i'm not going to take this and you you are a human being nobody deserves to be treated other than with respect i don't care what color yep. or or political party you belong to what gender you are nobody deserves be treated like that so mark thank you so much for sharing your story thank you so much for being vulnerable and uh folks go get the book because i've read it but yet thanks to the usps but i am going to read <laughs> it because now mark's even wet my appetite even more so mark thank you so much for being in the show
1: i appreciate your having me on thanks so much
0: and just before we go, don't forget to go to Mr.Productivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, Mr.Productivity.com and get my top five productivity tips absolutely free. I want to thank you for listening to this very special episode of the Mark Juchowski podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. When you subscribe, it tells the various podcast players that you're interested and it'll show it to more people so I can help more people. And if you want to take it even further, tell two or three of your friends about the podcast. It would really mean the world to me and I mean the world. So thank you again for listening to this episode of the Mark Juchowski podcast. Until we meet again, Again, my friend, go be productive.